ginormous sandwiches, fresh rice balls right out of the fryer, and the tourist tax. This week, it's all about street food. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink. This is the show where we explore the great dishes and drinks of planet Earth. Welcome. Glad to have you. Before we talk street food, let me ask you to rate and review the podcast. Give up those five stars, and I'll say thank you right now in advance. All right. This week, we're talking street food. Sfincioni in Palermo, empanadas in Bolivia, scalding noodles in Hanoi. Whether it's from a cart or a food truck or a stall, wherever you go, street food is becoming more and more popular. So I thought we'd revisit some of my favorite conversations about street food. And since I'm starving, let's eat. Destination Eat Drink. Michaela Malazzi is the producer and host of the TV show Bare Feet on PBS. The fifth season of her show recently debuted. Check your local listings for when it airs on your PBS station. But I had Michaela on the show a little while back, and she talked about visiting the Guadalupe Islands in the Caribbean for Carnival and the amazing sandwich that she had while she was there. Bokit was awesome. So we were filming and we were we were getting hungry and in between, you know, we had started filming at the at one of the parades. There's during Carnival in Guadalupe there's like parade after parade after parade. It's amazing. Every procession like down the street and then there's another procession that night. Um but our guide his name is Rudy, Rudy. He is the best. I love him so much. Rudy, we love you. He is this I think he's almost seven feet tall and I'm pretty short too. So the two of us together, we just look really funny together, but he's also a DJ. So every time he's driving us around, he's playing amazing music, Afro beats and all this wonderful stuff. And, um, he's like, Michaela, I'm going to take you to the best book heat on the Island. And I was like, Oh, it's just like a sandwich, you know? And we get there and it's this uh, food truck right by the water. And it's basically a Johnny cake cut in half, stuffed with, I had the one with codfish, I love codfish, and he had the one with chicken, and then they put some, like, vegetables, and it is heaven. It is, it's fried dough with fried fish, you know, like, it doesn't get better than that, and it's huge, so you don't need to eat anything for the rest of the day. You eat that, and you're good. I mean, it was, I'm glad I ate it after I danced, because... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there was no way I would have been able to eat it before I danced. And then I didn't, we didn't have, even have to have dinner that night. It was just so delicious. Um, and it was, it was, it, it's, it's cheap. It was like, I don't know, two, three euros, something like that. It was, it's very cheap. And there's different versions. I found out there are different versions of Bokit. Um, later in the trip, cause we were only there for maybe four days. We, I, I was like, can we have Bokit again one more time before we leave? And so we went to another place that um, was not a food truck. It was like a, a, a little hole in the wall spot. And it was made completely differently. It was the bulk heat we had from the food truck was fresher cod. It was like um, not boiled, but maybe grilled and broken up and, and sort of marinated. And then the one that we had in the shop was fried on a griddle. Hmm. Um, so it was a little, almost like a greasy spoon version of um, <laughs> okay. the bulk heat. 
But it, it's like every person has their version of bokeh and, and it's just delicious. And it's not, I mean, you can't eat bokeh every day. You're just not right. going to be able to fit There's into no your way. clothes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the, the fact of it. You cannot eat bokeh every day, <laughs> even though you want to. Cameron Hewitt has been writing guidebooks for Rick Steves Europe for decades. He recently released his own travel memoir, Temporary European. And together, we gush about one of our favorite places to enjoy street food, Palermo, Sicily. Well, in my book, I have a chapter about uh, uh, Palermo, Sicily. I did a street food tour there um, with an excellent local guide. And so for, I think, three hours, we walked across the city center through a couple of busy markets. And I mean, probably four or five of the things I had on that street food tour are on my list of (laughs) all-time favorite street foods. Uh, you know, they have uh, arancina, which is this, the wonderful kind of deep fried rice balls. And in Palermo, um, they, they're colored and flavored with saffron. So you, you cut into it and the inside is just this bright yellow. And, you know, arancina is one of those things that having it a fresh version versus an old version makes all the difference. It's like a croissant in France. Absolutely. Um, you know, you can get an arancina anywhere, uh, but often it'll be kind of either microwaved if you're lucky. But when you get a, a fresh one right out of the fryer, that's just that's just an incredible experience. Uh, and then uh, lots of other things in Palermo. I mean, we had the spleen, the famous spleen sandwich, right. uh, which is actually mostly lung, you know. And then we had the popo bolito, which is little baby octopus that's chopped up and kind of boiled in this sort of salty black water. And then they fish it out with a hook. Uh, and we had um, spincione, which is sometimes called Sicilian pizza, which looks very humble. It kind of looks like a a baguette, like a, a half slice of baguette or like a French bread uh, length. And it's got this kind of faint pink uh, tomato sauce on it, but they put it on a grill uh, right before they hand it to you. And it's just just crispy and delicious and simple and fantastic. I love the cinchone. One of my favorite things in, in Palermo. Um, I, you might've gone on the same street food tour that I went on. Uh, was it called uh streetily or something like that? I'm, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah. That's a great tour. That is really <laughs> highly recommended. I loved going on that tour. It was our guide, uh, was this lady and she had like three advanced university degrees. She was brilliant, but she was also so much fun. We had a great time going on that tour. The more I travel, the more I try to do food tours because it's a great way to sample a variety of local flavors. And you learn so much and, you know, you learn about the food, of course, but it just gives you all these insights into the culture beyond the food. And I think what I talk about in my book is I have a a section of the book with several different destinations called uh, food is culture. And just the idea that the more you learn about the food, you realize it's not isolated to what you eat. It it tells you a lot of things about the broader culture and, and the way that people in that culture think about. I was really excited to read that chapter on Palermo because it's one of my favorite places. I love Sicily just in general, and I love Palermo specifically. You mentioned something in that chapter called the tourist tax. What what exactly (laughs) are you talking about when you say tourist tax, Cameron? You know, I've run into this in a lot of places all over Europe, and it's just this idea that um, local local vendors might charge a little bit extra, you know, and sometimes even I have a friend, for example, who was in the Peace Corps in Slovakia. Uh, 25 years ago. And I went to visit him and he said, yeah, the first few times I went to the grocery store, the bill was suspiciously high. And then the, <laughs> as I kept going back, because he lived there for two years, like eventually it kind of came down to what other people were paying. And I realized that at the beginning, they were charging me extra because they knew I was an outsider. And when I was on this street tour, the guide in Sicily, uh, he, he sort of, it was, but what, what, what's funny about it, it was the first time that I kind of understood it. I've always been really irritated by that. I feel like it's, it's very unkind to take advantage of visitors, but this 
a Sicilian guide sort of said, well, no, there's a kind of a gamesmanship here at the market. And he said, you know, well, if you speak Sicilian, because of course in Sicily, they don't speak Italian, they have their own dialect called Sicilian. If you speak Sicilian, you'll get the local price. If you speak Italian, they might add a euro. If you speak only English, that might be a little bit more, but it all kind of evens out, you know? And then he went on to explain that, um, you know, actually vendors in the market might even try to overcharge local people. And, and there's sort of a, there's almost a game around it where if you get overcharged and you call them out on it, they'll respect you and they'll give you an even better price the next time. So suddenly it was it, like, a, this is what I was saying about, you know, it's a street food tour, yes, but sort of this insight into Sicilian broader culture and kind of the way that they they kind of see the maybe see life and see the world as sort of a game to be played, and and, and there's a there's a spiritedness to it. It's not necessarily mean. It's just kind of the way things are. Shafik Meji is an award-winning travel writer who's authored tons of guidebooks and recently put out a travel memoir called Crossed Off the Map: Travels in Bolivia. Shafik tells me about the street food of Bolivia, including empanadas and cassava. Let's talk about street food, Shafik, because you talked about street food in several different places in Bolivia. And one of them that sounded really good was uh, El Altro. This is the town you talked about that's growing so fast, if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, t- tell me about the street food scene there. What kind of stuff can we get when we're wandering around El Altro? El Altro is the, uh, is the highest city on Earth. It's, it, it's, it's more than 4,000 meters uh, which well, well over twelve thousand feet above above sea level. So you're it takes a lot of lot of energy to to, to walk around it. But it's a really fascinating place. It's grown really quickly. Has a very strong indigenous Aymara character. It has these um, absolutely kind of you know uh, fascinating uh, places called ch- uh, choles, which are these really these these uh, very colourful mansions. That are used for events as well as for homes and for businesses, and they look like spaceships that have, you know, landed from another planet. So it's it's a fascinating place, um, but it's also, you know, it's 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 great for street food, just like uh, neighboring La Paz is, um, and uh, you know. You know me, Brent. I, I travel through my stomach, yes, primarily. So, um, uh, and and so the street, yeah, the street food is wonderful to uh, to to throw you throw your way in. I mean, th- to give you a few examples, there's there's some wonderful deep fried donuts like uh, pastries called bunuelos. You have them absolutely doused in syrup, which you get all over you when you eat, but you don't mind because they're so uh, they're so delicious. Um, you get this uh, kind of very striking uh, glasses of um, like a cinnamon sorbet. It's a rose red in colour. Um, but that's delicious. You get uh, papas rellenas, which are like stuffed balls of mashed potato, and you have it with kind of eat it from your hands in grease poop paper with like an array of salsas. Uh, and of course, you know, in you know, we're in we're we're in South America and something you get across South America, but Bolivia offers its own twist on them are empanadas. And uh, and in and in Bolivia you often get them called as uh, salteñas. Um, which are uh, similar to Cornish pasties, if you haven't come across them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're piping hot, stuffed with beef and boiled eggs and olives and peas or vegetables or cheese. Uh, yeah, and they're absolutely delicious. And you can get them in our, in our Alto, but the absolutely the best in Bolivia are from the uh, the city of Sucre, which is a beautiful city, kind of uh, a bit a bit to the the east, at a lower, more comfortable altitude. Um, it's kind of a UNESCO World Heritage site, but they serve the absolute. Uh, best Saltanias um in the in, in the country. Now you also see, you know, we haven't talked about um uh llamas. 
at all yet, which I think probably is one of the things that people might associate with 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 Bolivia. Uh, and you'd be absolutely right to to do so. Um, but but llama is also a delicious meat as well. It, it is it's low in fat. It's very good for you. I kind of try and describe it as a uh, like a gamey version gamey version of pork. Um, but you know, if if you travel through the Andean regions of Bolivia, you will definitely eat um, llama. It's and it's an enjoyable thing. So you'll often get llama dishes served uh, as well and one of the things they they do is charqui which is like dried meat and that's essentially the thing that gave us the word jerky so uh, so so that's something else that you will see in the in the uh, in the in the andean region now just very quickly to whisk you <laughs> hundreds of kilometers to the east to uh, okay, to the city of santa cruz which is in the eastern lowlands which has completely different it's like a tropical climate um you know it, it has much in common with uh you know you know parts of parts of brazil um and they have a completely different different um uh cuisine and they have you know huge you, you, you'll, you'll get huge kebabs so something called pakamutu which are absolutely massive kind of uh she style kebabs um and you know you can you, you can eat them on, on 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 the streets from street vendors as well as in restaurants um so uh yeah and 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 kind of fried cassava and you know the more tropical um kind of uh vegetables and fruits so it's just really trying to get across how how diverse this country is and that's and that's obviously very much reflected in the uh in the menus and in the street food food vendors across the country Tracy Nguyen is a foodie guide in the fascinating city of Hanoi, Vietnam. She tells me about a local dish that was revived thanks to Anthony Bourdain. This dish called bun cha. Bun cha. What is that yeah. exactly? And um, where would we enjoy that? In uh, about five, six years ago, if you ask most of people, they don't know that. But since um, uh, the, uh, the trip uh, of uh, President Obama to Vietnam and uh, uh, big, and thanks to um, his show with uh, Anthony Bourdain, everyone now know about bún chả. <laughs> so uh, bún chả is um, a popular uh, breakfast and lunch um, of Vietnamese people, like for street food. Um, and uh, bún is mean the noodle. We have many different kind of noodle, and it's one kind of rice noodle. And chả is mean a kind of uh, barbecue pork uh, it is um it can be quite uh, very fa- uh, it's quite variable um, like we have the uh, barbecue pork um, belly we also have barbecue uh, meatball and also the meatball with different herb um, wrap around it before it barbecued as well <laughs> uh, and um, in the uh, in the old quarter only uh, you go to any street, you can um, uh, find one or two bún chả uh, uh, shop. Uh, it's not like a big restaurant, but sometimes it's just like in the street um, and you will sit on little stool. Um, and uh, because um, those shops, they are more, um, they, they don't have a fixed uh, address for it. So sometimes uh, we would depend uh Depends on the time of the tour that we will go to different places. So they they're not going to be in the same place every time. Do they? So in a, in America, sometimes uh, we would have uh, food trucks that would do the food same truck? thing. Yeah, they don't they don't have the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So 
what they do is they'll use like Instagram or Twitter to say where their location is. Do these guys who have the Buncha, do they do they send it out on social media and say, okay, today I'm on this street at this time and then I'm over here? Or is it much less <laughs> red, regulated than that? <laughs> Uh, no, not regulated at all. <laughs> um, so <laughs> more chaos. The, Good, um, I like it. More uh, chaos. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the um, uh, mobile mobile um, shop, uh, they are normally the uh, people from the countryside, like the area around Hanoi, and they come here in the morning with um, with the uh, the food uh, store. And then they will sell for lunch or dinner only. And then they come back to their hometown. <laughs> um, and of course, those people, they will not know how to use the social media. Uh, of course, we still have the restaurant that um, that have fixed time to um, sell the food. So we can uh, always resort to them <laughs> if we cannot find the mobile one. <laughs> I, I picture you walking up and down the street looking for this guy and not being able to find him. <laughs> no, that's me too. <laughs> That's going to be too time consuming. <laughs> so, uh, Tracy, you mentioned that Anthony, you give uh, Anthony Bourdain some of the credit for popularizing bun cha in Hanoi. Um, do you think there's any other dishes that Anthony Bourdain helped to make more popular than they were before in Hanoi? Yeah, there is another dish, but it's not that um, uh, nice to talk about it. <laughs> Okay. Because um, uh, that's one in uh, Vietnam, uh, we have a nickname for that shop. Uh, it is um, scalding noodle or something. Scalding uh, noodle. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, the owner, um, that's one of the specialty in the north of Vietnam, but it's, um, it's not, a, uh, I'm not proud to... Uh, have it as a specialty <laughs> um, because there are many um, uh, street food shops that uh, the owner um, have to work like multi-task. Um, they don't have a lot of uh, staff to help, so um, they can be quite uh, hot-tempered. So, um, oh. um, yeah, like like that, uh, shop owners uh, see often scold the staff or the uh, customer a lot. <laughs> That's why it's called the scolding uh, noodle. Oh, um, it's not. I don't know why. I'm, <laughs> it's yeah, not, I don't know it's why not how the noodle is prepared. Yeah. It's because the guy is being mean to his staff. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, she she very um, not nice, but um, uh, she make very good uh, noodle. <laughs> That's why people still come. And even Anthony Boleyn came as well. <laughs> um, and that make her uh, famous. Um, and even the moon chap well, actually, um, if you want to show, you can uh, hear that um, he didn't uh, disclose the address because um, he wanted to be um, uh, less famous, so uh, um, it will keep the good quality. <laughs> you mentioned earlier that you can see some of the French influence. France colonized Hanoi for decades yeah. in the in the nineteenth century. Um, I think one of the one of the influences of France of French cuisine on Vietnamese cuisine might be represented in the banh mi sandwich, which has now become famous worldwide. Is this a yeah. French? Is this have its roots in in France? The banh mi sandwich in French cuisine. Yeah, we have uh, French influence in many different dishes 
in Vietnam. Um, you you know that uh the French they um uh, first came and colonized us in eighteen eighty seven, and uh, during that long time, uh, uh saw many different uh cultural um item from the friend um not only the baguette but many different things even our famous fur um is get um amused but from the uh, uh consomme uh oh. from Fra from france um and even coffee uh you know that before the friend came here we didn't have coffee uh, they they brought coffee here and grow it here in um 1857 so um um you know now we are second largest exporter of coffee in the world <laughs> yeah so is that uh, that's one of the uh, big uh, french influence in vietnam back to the uh, baguette uh yeah um it's the french influence um the friend came here and they eat a lot of bread uh but we don't have wheat so we have to we had to start start to uh, grow wheat and um we don't have enough wheat so the baguette uh we in the past we make it uh half wheat and half rice flour oh wow um, that's the special part that make it so light um and so um soft yeah so um uh, people like it yeah yeah, it's like um, right now we have enough. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say, uh, people who go to Vietnam, they all come back with the same thing. They all say the baguettes are amazing. I don't know why they're so yeah. good, but they're amazing. And now you've just unlocked that secret, Tracy. That it's yeah. um, it's half rice flour, half wheat flour. That's amazing. So tell me a little bit more about the banh mi sandwich. Um, so you've got a baguette. What do you what do you put inside? It? Yeah. Okay. So um um the um the first version of it in the past um of course it's more uh western than it's right now <laughs> uh, so a lot of ham and uh, sausage um but um then that's the more expensive part and uh, vietnamese people always try to adjust and um, uh, combine with the uh, ingredient that we have uh, more available here so we have many different versions uh, and um, that can uh, satisfy on the diet uh, and on the uh, um, preference of people um i cannot name like i can uh, spend the whole day to name all the different uh, feeling <laughs> of bánh uh, mì uh, in vietnam uh yeah so um uh, it not only depend on the region but depend on the the shops that they will have different bánh uh, mì um yeah, so uh, in the north of Vietnam, um, we will have the traditional version, which will have about 10 different uh, fillings inside, like egg and um, uh, the vegetable um, and uh, pate. Yeah, pate is also uh, one of the French influence. Um, yeah, uh, and uh, pork, uh, flossy, and many different things. Okay, there you go. Tracy is just so delightful. I love talking to her. I might have to go to Hanoi just to get that banh mi sandwich. You know, street food used to be synonymous with low-quality food, but today it's great. 
there's so many street food dishes that you can get that are well-made with top-quality ingredients. And if you want to know more about my guests and the places they talked about, check out the show notes at radiomisfits.com slash DED201. Next week, we're in Valencia, Spain, Paella, Cafe Bonbon, and Sundays with Grandma. Don't miss that. Until then, get over to DestinationEatDrink.com. I just posted a story about the seaside town of Cascais in Portugal. It's a great day trip or getaway from busy Lisbon. You can read that at DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and a guy who orders a spleen sandwich at McDonald's, Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.